that I didn't know. So if someone wants to get into the business, say, you know, they're really good at um, knowing coin inventory or baseball cards, and they want to help families to be able to offload those and sell that before, you know, our, and, and having that type of business. Um, you were talking about the commission rate. So if someone wanted to open a business to be able to help families to sell their stuff, um, touch a little bit more on that, what they should be charging or kind of like what's the market price or realistic for a professional to sell items on your behalf. Right. So if you're talking about like a state liquidation, um, they are typically paid in two different ways. One is called a guaranteed minimum. So that means they'll come in, they'll conduct your sale. They're guaranteed $5,000. If your sale brings $5,500, they get $5,000 and you get $500. Hmm. Um, so that is something I caution people with. <laughs> And mostly because I find that in franchised companies. So there are companies that are out there just selling franchises um, to people who want to get in the state liquidation business. It's an excellent way to sell a franchise because you're guaranteed this, you know, every sale. Hello, Empower Nation. Welcome to Empower Her Money podcast. I am your host, Angela Duncan, speaker, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and we talk all things money and business. Today's episode is sponsored by freemoneytipsbook.com. Head over there, get your free ebook on seven steps on how to start your financial journey. On today's episode, I am interviewing Amanda, and she is talking about buyers and how there is money everywhere. Hello, Amanda. Welcome to Empower Her Money Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, Angela. How are you? I am doing amazing. I would love for you to start off and kind of tell a little bit about your story, your journey, and how you got to the business that you're doing today. Absolutely. So I am a third generation auctioneer. So my grandfather was an auctioneer, my dad, myself, and my brother. So I've kind of been around estate liquidation for a really long time. So with that... <laughs> It's kind of something, like I said, as a kid, I was just around. I never considered doing it as a profession. And then I met my husband and I was telling him about my love for all things vintage. So we opened um, a vintage retail store that just sold stuff from the 60s and 70s. Um, we had that for probably six or seven years. I learned very quickly I could buy people's stuff all day long, whether I sold something or not. There was constantly people coming in wanting us to buy their household full of stuff from their parents or their grandparents or their aunts or their uncles. Um, so it kind of evolved into us doing tag sales or estate sales to help those people because we could not just financially afford to buy everyone's home out. Um, and that just kind of grew into a whole separate business um, enough that we ended up closing our retail store just to focus on that. Um, so we have done nothing but a state liquidation for like 13 and a half, almost 14 years now, full time. And then that evolved into a different consulting business called Liquidation Lifeguards, where I consult with people all over the country. Hey, this is how you find a company to service you in your area. These are the questions to ask, red flags to look out for, that kind of stuff. My passion in this is the people. And knowing that I've done something that is too emotionally or physically challenging for them at the end of the day, 
that brings me great joy. So definitely a people business. That's awesome. So I am recently a empty nester. My daughter is in her third year of college. So that was definitely a time that I thought about, okay, it's time to downsize a little bit. I don't need all of this space. But I think oftentimes what people end up doing is they rent a storage unit and they throw everything in there. So Mm -hmm. when they start, you know, I I teach a lot about budgeting and about money and cutting out expenses. Um, So when we look at the storage unit and how much stuff is in there, kind of talk about if someone were to, you know, reach out to you and say, help, like, what do I do? Um, Where do you start with that process? So I would definitely, it's going to depend on whether they're moving or they're downsizing in place, because those are kind of two different things. But regardless, there's cash hiding in your closet and you don't even know it. Um, You know, there's so many resale markets available now, whether it's just your run-of-the-mill Facebook marketplace or if you're a reseller online. Um, My husband's been an eBay reseller since the inception, so he sees money everywhere, (laughs) Um, because people will buy anything. It, it's kind of strange. Um, the market changes constantly too. So it, there's just so many things that you can sell that are right there in your home. I don't suggest storage units. Storage units should be used for a very temporary amount of time. Mm-hmm. The number of families that I deal with that, you know, they want to take everything of value that won't fit in their home and they put it in a storage unit. And then they donate or throw away the rest of it. And then they call me 10 years later and say, hey, if this has been in storage unit for 10 years, I probably need to get rid of it. They have spent so much more money on that storage unit than the value of anything that's in it. So it really is um, a waste of income and you know revenue to, to just, unless you're working that storage unit and using it and selling things out of it because you don't want people coming to your home. If you're making money off of the storage unit, it's fine. But if you're hiding it there just so you don't have to deal with it right now, that's not smart. Yeah. And what I like to do too is I'll take that number, how much they're paying for that storage unit and show them if they put in the stock market, got 8% return, this is what it's worth today. Instead, you have like this much less. So if someone is thinking about, okay, I've got a storage unit, there's stuff in there, I have no idea where to start, and I don't want to do it myself. Are there companies that they can hire? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So there's certainly auction companies, and the auction industry, we've changed a lot. Um, Used to, it was an auction house that you would go to, you would sit there as an auction ran for four to six hours and you would bid and you were only bidding against the people in that room. Um, The pandemic changed everything. So tons of companies that have been doing live auctions once a week for 30 to 50 years are now all online. So you can bid from the comfort of your sofa, pick it up or have it shipped to you. Um, So they could certainly partner with an auction company in their area Um, There is a website called auctionzip.com and you can go to that and that's zip just like your zip code and find an auction company within your area. So that's a good resource. There's also um, companies that are called senior move managers. And a lot of times they will, especially, you know, if you're senior, you just don't have the bandwidth to to go through that process. Um, They'll go through it with you and say, okay, these are the things you want to keep. Perfect. These are the things you want to sell. A lot of times they have partnerships with auction companies already. So they know kind of where it needs to go. Hmm. So that's a good resource. If you don't really know where to start or, or you don't feel like you, again, have the bandwidth to, 
to do that. Yeah, because can imagine it'd be kind of overwhelming to think about like I've got the storage unit. There's so much stuff in there, but yes. they at least need to go through and think about like what personal items that they maybe want to keep and pass to their children before Absolutely. you know going having someone to go through it and figure out what to sell too. Absolutely. And the other thing I would add is don't take that part personally. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times what you find, especially with, we'll say the baby boomer generation, when their parents were downsizing or clearing house, their parents had a lot less stuff and there were more children. So it just kind of, the family just kind of absorbed it. That doesn't happen now because now we have 2.5 children and, you know, you cannot realistically absorb everything that your parents own um, because someone told that generation they needed to collect everything. So they did. <laughs> and yeah. it's just a lot of stuff. So um, don't take it personally. If your kids don't want your stuff, it, it's not a personal attack um, and talk to them about what they want Hmm. Um, I know when my mom passed away and my dad was kind of breaking up the home that they shared together, the things he wanted me to take and the things I wanted were polar opposite. You know, he wanted me to take this beautiful secretary that he loved with my mother. I had no place for that. It just didn't fit with what I wanted. I wanted the Pyrex bowl that she made brownies and cookies and lots of things in that's what I wanted. And he was like, you've got to be kidding me. You want this, but not that. And so it's really about communication and talking to one another and not getting your feelings hurt. Um, yeah. And that's the best way for you to know that your children and your grandchildren got a piece of you and what they wanted. Yeah. And having that communication while you're still here to be able to communicate and not, and maybe not approaching it as is, you know, like I'm going to pass someday, but Hey, I've built a lifetime of stuff what memories are important to you what would you like to keep and then you know kind of work around how do I get rid of everything else so absolutely good. yeah my uh, my ex-father-in-law loved coca-cola had been collecting coca like coca-cola stuff all his life and when he passed you know he probably thought that one of the children would take it over but no they ended up going to the museum and saying hey is there anything here that's maybe vintage that's value that we can just donate to you um, because none of the children had any need for any of that stuff, but there were other items that they considered instead. So that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think about auctioneer in, in probably the earlier days, I think about like the man standing on stage and talking really fast, you know, so obviously it's changed quite a bit since then. Um, what are something, maybe something unique or original? I'd love to hear some items that you've seen auction that went, you know, for sale, maybe created some income for that family. What are some unique items that you, that you've seen over the years? So I would say, um, a consultant professional because the market is very different than what the general public believes it to be. So like an example, we did a sale for a family and, you know, she had this beautiful roll top desk that, you know, her father adored. A roll top desk has a very large footprint. They're hard to sell now. There's mm -hmm. not a lot of interest in them. And again, because they have a large footprint, they're difficult to move. So I told her, I said, you know, if this has a lot of sentimental value, I suggest you keep it because I probably won't be able to get what, if I can sell it at all, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get what you feel like it's worth. And she's like, no, I, I can't keep it. I don't really care what it brings. It was just important to him. So we do this auction and the roll top desk is on it. But while we're processing it and photographing it, we come across this other thing that I, at first glance, thought was just like a melted candle in 
a display case. I'm like, I don't understand what happened to this piece. It's gross looking. <laughs> and my husband was like, don't throw that away. And I was like, why? And my husband's a little bit older than I am. And he's like, it's from the seventies. It's called a shrunken head. It was part of this Vincent Price little kit that you would do. And it's really just an apple, but it's like petrified. And I'm like, wow. Ew, that's gross, but okay. <laughs> So we ran both of these things. I thought no one's going to pay any money for this gross looking thing. Well, that desk brought $65, but the shrunken head brought $147. Oh my gosh. And I was going to throw it away and I am a professional. So you just never, ever know. Um, So when people ask that question, I'm like, that's why you need to hire someone that is in this market that understands what is sellable and what is not before you start to go through and make those decisions and throw it away or donate it. There is a time to do that, but that's on the back end, not on the front end. And a lot of people get in a hurry because, you know, either a realtor influenced them or they just want to feel productive and busy. So they start just donating and throwing away, donating and throwing away. And if it makes your heart feel happy, then that's fine. But if you do want to generate revenue, don't make those choices without talking to a professional. A lot of people will donate all the small stuff and leave all of the really big bulky furniture. And the big bulky furniture is the hardest part to sell as opposed to those small transactional items that people just don't think about. Yeah, especially if they're doing it on an online forum Mm -hmm. to be able to ship things, the smaller items, obviously much easier, less you know, costly to do so, whereas the larger items are going to be harder, maybe local pickup, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people have seen probably TV shows like Storage Wars and stuff like that. How realistic is if someone wants to get in the business of buying storage units or selling stuff, other people's stuff, how realistic is that to be in a business? Oh, it's definitely realistic. There's a lot of people that have, you know, worked themselves out of their nine to five jobs simply by reselling in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, don't base it off of Storage Wars or Pawn Stars. It's reality TV is not reality. Yes. Um, that is very, you know, very curated. So, um, but it is a definite, you know, there's, I have tons of customers in our auction business that are resellers that, you know, retired early or, left their nine to five just to focus on that. Um, now it's like anything else. It's the hustle. If you don't work it, it doesn't work with yeah. that question. Um, also understanding that in the resale market, you're it's a pay to play situation. You're going to pay commissions. Um, some of the older eBay resellers are like, it costs so much to sell on eBay now. It really doesn't. I mean, it averages out to about 20 to 25%, depending on if you promote your listings or or that kind of stuff. You're not going to put it in someone else's retail store for 25%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it has an international reach. It, 25% is more than reasonable for you to sell your stuff on there. I will say for independent businesses, local businesses, a good average is anywhere from 45 to 55% is what you mm-hmm. can expect to pay in a commission rate. Um, but if that's something that you were going to donate or throw away anyway, does Mm -hmm. it really matter? I mean, so, um, one cautionary tale I would give people is, um, for sterling silver, a lot of people go to like the, we buy gold guy or the jeweler that says, Hey, I buy gold. So they have a very specific calculation that they do and they give you 20% of whatever spot is. So sterling has two different values. 
One is a spot or a melt value because it's a commodity that changes with the stock market throughout the day. Hmm. So that is the bottom value of that item. There's also a pattern value. And sometimes that pattern value is exponentially higher than the melt value. If it's like a Tiffany or something like that, sometimes it's the same. But what the We Buy Gold guy's doing is he's giving you 20% of whatever spot is that day. Hmm. That means he's getting 80% of spot. You're getting 20% spot. So if you find a local auction company that can auction it for you and you feel comfortable with them, even if they're getting 50%, you're still getting 50% and not 20% of what that spot is. And I can tell you, Sterling almost always will bring spot. That's like the bottom. So um, that's a really good tip that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. And yeah. You have to make sure it's sterling number one on the bottom. It'll say mm-hmm. sterling or it'll say 0.925 or it's going to have hallmarks that you don't understand what they are. Seek a professional for that. Gotcha. Is that similar with like gold and platinum and other things too? Yes. Gold, platinum, sterling, that kind of stuff. Same thing. If you've got gold coins, be very careful because they do have that raw melt value not just the coin value. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just sell it to the first person you meet. Make sure you talk to multiple people. Yeah, that's Help good to know people. too, because I'm a coin collector and a currency collector. And <laughs> I've always thought about like um, having someone professionally look at it so that I know one, my pieces are real, hopefully. And two, you know, my daughter has said that she wants the collection, but maybe she doesn't want all of it. So how do I, you know, dispose of it before she has to look at it later. Right. And there's also with coins, um, the most valuable ones are graded. Yep. Um, So you could get them graded if you know that they're valuable. (laughs) I'm so sorry. That's okay. And there's Um, several resources to be able to do that too. Correct. Exactly. So I would definitely recommend if you have coins that you know or feel are valuable to get them graded. Um, Don't send a whole box of coins to someone because they charge by the coin to grade it. Yeah. Pick and choose a little bit. Yeah. Same for baseball cards, that kind of stuff. You know, they charge by the card. Baseball cards, I think, are $15 a card. So you have to know that that card is worth, I would want to know that card's worth at least $30, you know, to spend the 15. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to circle back a little bit because something you touched on was really interesting to me that I didn't know. So if someone wants to get into the business, say, you know, they're really good at um, knowing coin inventory or baseball cards, and they want to help families to be able to offload those and sell that before, you know, our, and, and having that type of business. Um, you were talking about the commission rate. So if someone wanted to open a business to be able to help families to sell their stuff, um, touch a little bit more on that, what they should be charging or kind of like what's the market price or realistic for a professional to sell items on your behalf. Right. So if you're talking about like a state liquidation, um, they are typically paid in two different ways. One is called a guaranteed minimum. So that means they'll come in, they'll conduct your sale. They're guaranteed $5,000. If your sale brings $5,500, they get $5,000 and you get $500. Hmm. Um, So that is something I caution people with. And mostly because I find that in franchised companies. So there are companies that are out there just selling franchises um, to people who want to get in the state liquidation business. It's an excellent way to sell a franchise because you're guaranteed this, you know, every sale. 
not so great for a client, I believe. Hmm. Um, so there's that, or there's companies that work on a flat commission rate. Those are the ones that I would trust because they don't get paid unless it sells. Yeah. Um, and you can expect it's different throughout the country. You know, there's certain parts of the country where you can't have an estate seller tax sale in the winter. It's just, it's too snowy. People don't come out. They won't stand in line, blah, blah, blah. There's other parts of the country where tax sales are every single weekend. It does not matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so commission rates vary. Um, You could expect to pay the lowest one I've seen is like 30%. Um, The highest I've seen is 60%. Mm. You kind of have to figure out what's involved in that. So with that 30% person, are they going to provide you with an inventory list? How are they going to show you what they sold? You know, are they going to tag everything in your home or are they going to make people bring them piles and they just quote a price on the fly? Mm. Um, You find that, the higher the commission rate, the more services that they are providing to give you that comfort. So at your 50% rate or higher, you're definitely getting an inventory list of what they sold. Um, A lot of times they use POS systems. So at the very end of the day, they can touch a button and say, hey, this is exactly what we sold today. They're not giving you a a spiral notebook with handwritten, (laughs) you know, inventory list. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they're just different. So I tell everyone to interview three companies. You haven't done this before. You don't really know what you're comparing. So you need to know, okay, this person said this, this person said this and go with your gut. If, if at any point in the interview process, you're like, Hmm, I don't really know how I feel about that. Or they don't very directly answer a question. If they try to skirt around certain questions, just go the next guy. You have lots of options. That's really good advice. Okay. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. I'm going to ask you a fun question. Um, If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why would you choose it? Okay. So I have this figured out. I would, my superpower would be mastering all languages. I would love to be able to be in a room, no matter what language someone spoke and master it and be able to carry on a conversation with them and not let language hold that back. Um, I actually am dyslexic, so mastering language period (laughs) has been a struggle in my life. Um, So to be able to master that in any situation would truly be a superpower for me. Yeah, I like that very much. All right, Amanda, well, I really appreciate your time today. Um, If our audience wants to get in touch with you, how do they reach you? Yes, they can go to liquidationlifeguards.com. Um, On there, they'll find multiple products that we offer, um, as well as the giveaway that we're going to do. So there is an estate liquidation and downsizing um, kind of workbook situation that's up there. And um, we're going to, that code for that is empower. If you go to liquidationlifeguards.com and you order the downsizing and estate liquidation resale book, you'll get that for free. Use empower or just empower as your code. Use the code Um, empower. Empower. Yep. And then there's also, um, I do consulting so I can consult with families. That's why I started liquidation lifeguard. Someone would say, Hey, I have an aunt that lives in Omaha. Can you go to Omaha and do your tag sale? No, I can't go to Omaha. Um, but I can consult with them and tell them what they need to be looking for in a company, how to find a company in that area and different resources for them. That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you very much for the pre- for the freebie. I know my audience loves freebies because we always talk about money. Um, so I appreciate that very much. And I appreciate you being on the show today. 
Oh, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empower Her Money Podcast. Make sure you leave me a five-star review, share this podcast, subscribe, and share the message. Oh, 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 o